I'm Mike Brilla, host of the Inspired Teacher Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Leslie Cufflow. That's right. She is back on the show. She has a fourth book. She has appeared on the show previously to share her series of children's books for children in the time of COVID. And now she is starting a new series that is focused on addressing children's feelings. Her first book is the in the new series is called Popcorn Comes to School, the story of a kitten in kindergarten. You're going to love this story. You're going to love this talk. And by the way, it features her original cast of characters from the previous books as well, which is nice. So their journeys continue you. Good stuff. Thanks for listening. And, and by the way, before you go, it'd be so cool if you would uh, go to my website, stephenmaletto.com slash reviews and left a review. Could you do that for me? Thanks so much. And, and, and by the way, it would be so cool if you shared this, the podcast with your friends, your neighbors, your family members, colleagues, anybody and say, hey, do you listen to Teaching Learning Leading K-12, the podcast? Well, you should. Here's the link. <laughs> Thanks for doing that. And have fun. Enjoy the show. It's the education podcast, your favorite show, with lots of groovy guests, and they share what they know. So crank it up to 10 and let your neighbors know that here's another show with Dr. Steve Milletto. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Ah, ah, with Dr. Leslie Coplo is a clinical social worker, teacher, and author who lives in New York City. She is the director of emotionally responsive practice at Bank Street College, founder of Networks for Schools at Heal, and a psychotherapist in private practice. Leslie is the author of several books, including Where Ragdolls Hide Their Faces, The Way Home, Unsmiling Faces, How Preschools Can Heal, Creating Schools That Heal, Bears, Bears Everywhere, Supporting Children's Emotional Health in the Classroom, Tanya and the Tobo Man, Politics Aside, Our Children and Their Teachers in Score-Driven Times, and Emotionally Responsive Practice, A Path for Schools That Heal. Leslie is also the author of a children's series, A Story for Children in the Time of COVID, Lila in the Land of the Littles, Jasmine's Big Idea, and Wilson's Wishes. And now we have a new story, and this one's called Popcorn Comes to School, the Story of a Kitten in Kindergarten. You have pres- uh, she has previously appeared on episodes 378, 414, and 460, and now we're talking today, and this is awesome. Leslie, welcome back, and congrats on your fourth book. Thanks for joining me today, and say hi to everyone. Thank you so much for having me. Hello, everyone. Well, it's great to have you here, and uh, this is cool. Your fourth children's book, so uh, what a what a neat uh, neat thing. And uh, I'm glad to have you back on the show. And let's start by talking about this statement on the back of your latest book: "Teddy Bear Circle Books are just right when children need supportive adults to join them in their childhood journeys." What you getting at with that? Okay, so part of the work that I've been doing for a long time. Under the umbrella of emotionally responsive practice at Bank Street is work with teddy bears in the classroom. So when I write my children's book, in my mind, I'm reading to children and their teddy bears who are with them during the story time. So I made an imprint um, for these books um, with that teddy bear circle bookmark title. I like that. That's so cool. And I, and I like the, that's why I, when I saw that, I had to make sure that I said this because that's, uh, um, 
uh, give you a chance to talk about that. So that's uh, very cool. I mean, something that I also want to point out is that you're both the writer and the illustrator. And I love your use. I've, I've talked about this before if they go back and listen. But I love your use of materials to create the pictures for the story. Uh, could you talk about where this original idea came from and how you create these images? Because I think that's got to be cool in itself. I create them using collage techniques. I use all different kinds of papers and some cloth and some other craft type materials to make the illustrations. I love um, bringing things to life and I love texture and children love that. (laughs) Um, When you're writing a children's book, at least half of the story needs to come through the pictures because that's where the kids focus is. And even, and though some children might read this book or my books to themselves, if they're seven or eight years old, a lot of times they're being read to, which is what the books really intend. They want their important adults to be part of um, the experience and the message of the stories. That's so cool. And then just a note, I, I, I think you're what, one of the things that happens is it's just real enough that, you know, you still get to use your imagination, but it's just enough to kind of implant that seed. And so like in this case, there's popcorn and, and they're the kids and, uh, and, and it's, it's just awesome. And, and I just love the way you do it. And I could really see it being animated. I mean, it's just using the, the, the creatures and so uh, the, the creatures, <laughs> the characters, um, like that, and uh, it just—I uh, love the way you do that, and it's—it just really ties together well with the stories. I, that's what I wanted to say. Thank you. The, you know, one of the things. Uh, I, let's let's go right into the story now. So, it, you know, the title is "Popcorn Comes to School: The Story of a Kitten in Kindergarten." Could you give everyone a synopsis of the story about popcorn? Sure. So the story starts out when Wilson. Um, and his grandma visit a deli on their way to school because Wilson wants some hot chocolate and a bagel. And it's their ritual on Fridays to stop by this deli on the way to school. And we know Wilson already um, from my other books, if you've read the other books, because he's one of the kids in this class that are in those stories. And while Wilson and his grandma are at the counter, He leaves his backpack on the floor because he's been looking at Ellie, the deli cat who lives in the deli and her little kitten popcorn and he's watching them. And then he backpack is heavy. So he puts it down He goes to the counter and popcorn is a little kitten and she's very curious and she sees like a red pom pom tied to the straps of his backpack. So she pounces on it. It falls off and goes into the bag, and she goes into the bag. And then Wilson and his grandma come back and don't know that they have a kitten in the bag, and they zip up the bag, and they go to school. So the story is is the story of this stowaway little kitten who has to spend the morning, who ends up spending the morning in kindergarten. Once Wilson notices and realizes that popcorn is with him, he doesn't know what to do about it. He's only five. He can't walk all the way back to the deli by himself, and he doesn't know quite 
how to manage it. So he decides that he's going to keep popcorn safe for the morning in kindergarten. And it's a story of what happens next. Love it. And it's a, it's a, it's a cool story. And, and it, once again, I'm going to ask a question about characters in a minute, but yes, we, we have, we have Wilson again and which is really cool. And, uh, um, we have, and I, and I just had to say this before because it made me think of a couple of things. And the first thing I got to ask you is, did you ever take a pet to school? I mean, it, or even just think about it. I've always had cats in my life, but I've never, um, no, I don't think I ever thought about taking one to school. However, in my adult life as a New York City resident, I often walk past stores that have cats because if you have a cat, then you don't have so many mice. And I think store owners get cats for that reason. And I always love to watch them because it always looks to me like they feel that they own the store. They're like guarding it. They're watching everybody. And I always wanted to write a story about um, one of those cats. So that's how that's how I ended up with this. So I will tell you that Popcorn is the first story in a new series. The nice. series that I had written before had three books. It's called um, the series was Stories for Children in the Time of COVID. This ser- series is called Understanding Feelings in Community. And Popcorn is the first story. Popcorn Comes to School is the first story. The second story, which I'm almost done with illustrating, is called Popcorn's Lost and Found. Nice. So, and hopefully there'll be a third one as well. Excellent. Look forward to all of them. And that's cool that uh, um, you have this new, uh, because it, that uh, you've continued the characters on um, from your uh, COVID series into now the dealing with feel- feelings. And I think that is um, that is awesome. So, uh, and tell, tell us again what the the main, like we had the COVID and now what's the... This, this series is called Understanding Feelings in Community. Um, and it's when Popcorn comes to school, being a kitten... <laughs> she's not used to having to being in a room with a bunch of children and she gets scared. And when she's scared, she hurts one of them. She, you know, uses her claws. She scratches one of them. And a lot of the story is figuring out the relationship between fear and anger, fear and aggression, which is such a prevalent um, issue in schools and when children hurt another child and it's considered you know this kid is the bad kid he's hurting people then that kid takes in that identity that self you know i'm not people would rather i'm not here i hurt people i'm bad and a lot of the time i'd say about 80 percent of the time what i've seen over the years is that children lash out when they feel threatened, when they feel afraid. And a lot of children, for various reasons in their own histories and their own constitutional, you know, their makeup are very easily um, feel threatened. So popcorn is a very vulnerable, sweet little kitten that it's really easy to feel empathy for. And the teacher is very smart in this classroom and she invites the kids to think about what happened with popcorn and why it happened, 
what they might do if that happens in the classroom with children. So, and that's and that's excellent. You get into this uh, where the kids talk about um, what their thoughts are about being afraid and so forth, like that. And um, yes. it's uh, you know it's something that a lot of times as parents you don't know how to have conversations like this. And I was just wondering if you're kind of tapping into that with uh, with these what the kids talk about with the teacher. Yeah, I think it's so good when children experience the adults, pardon me, in their lives as being with them in this journey of childhood, which is all about making sense of their inner lives and the things that are going on around them. We don't want to, when, when I write, I'm thinking, I'm not trying to distract kids from what they carry. I'm trying to mirror it. I'm trying to reflect it. I'm trying to be with them. I'm trying to invite their parents and teachers to be with them so that they're not alone with um, difficult feelings or worries or fears. And um, I think that's an amazing way to invite children's investment in literacy as well as attention, as well as promote emotional well-being. That's, that's excellent. We got, uh, you know, one of the things that, uh, um, we have with, uh, um, with your books, which is really cool is that I'm glad you continued to do this, um, is you, you stay with the same group of friends in the school and so forth. So nobody's forgotten here. We kind of built upon this, this group and they continue to interact, which is awesome. And, uh, and so kind of talk about why, why you did that. Cause you know, with start a new series, you could have easily looked at some other place and created New names. Yeah, I thought about that, actually. I didn't think I was going to use the same group of kids, but I got attached to them. So um, <laughs> I decided to keep them alive and just grow them so that, you know, so there's a few kids in this class that we haven't met yet in the other um, books. And so as these series go forward we might see more of um one or the other of them so that it the group grows but the connections remain i like that that's awesome the uh you know and, and even like we get to meet we're even though briefly we're in the deli and we get to see another part of uh wilson's world and and stuff like this and i think that's this is awesome because uh, they they become deeper characters and such, but it's so cool that you kept them together. I like that. So, Thank you. The, uh, you know, so who are you writing for? I mean, is your audience parents and adults like teachers or is it children, but encouraging teachers and adults to uh, have these com conversations or whatever? Who are you actually writing for? I'm writing for children ages about four to eight and the adults in their world. Um, and a lot of my work over the years has been with teachers, and I definitely have teachers and children in mind while I'm writing. And I also, am, I also feel like in the world we live in, children really need their parents to be with them. Um, in the way that they experience everything, 
there's a lot that goes on in families, in the community, in the culture at large. And reading to kids and being with them and creating this little world that's just you and them while you're in that space together is um, good for attachment. It's good for um, follow-up conversations. It's good for children to feel like they can ask parents things that come to mind. And I love when parents can talk to their kids about being little. I remember when I was little, you did that when we were talking. You said once you tried, you wanted to take your dog to school. I want, I love when parents can say, I remember when I was little and I wanted to take my hmm, to school. Or I remember it was really scary when I first started first grade and there was this kid who, and, and children are like amazed by that. <laughs> They love that. So I hope that that happens when children, when parents are reading to children. That's awesome. And uh, just to note, yes, I, this popcorn story made me immediately think about bringing my, uh, couldn't, I tried, my sister and I tried to figure out how to bring our new puppy to school. And it, it just, we had too many barriers to it. One was uh, a mom that would want to know what is in the bag you know, kind of thing. <laughs> and where is the dog? And, uh, you know, oh no, we probably would have spent hours looking for the dog and uh, the dog's actually in the bag in which we have the car. And, you know, we couldn't come up with any scenario in which to do it. But that's, that's the first thing to remind me of. And it is cool when you, when you talk with children about, you know, when I was little, there, there were these things and, yeah. And uh, I think that's cool. So good stuff. I, you know, one of the things that uh, um, I think is, is really neat is that you've taken, taken what are your specialties and your skills and, and you focused on writing for children. And uh, I think that's neat. I mean, um, th this is your fourth children's book. You're starting a new series. I mean, you've written quite a few books that are meant to address adult uh, um, thoughts and ideas. I mean, could you share what your inspiration was for writing children's stories? I, I mean, I know the last series was uh, focused on COVID, but I mean, there's more to that. You're, you're talking about writing for, for children. Well, I, I think COVID is the answer to that shift because it's what I did during that time of needing to be apart from people not going into the college, not going into classrooms. Um, it's what I did to stay sane is do the artwork. And I really wanted, I mean, I was hearing cause we were doing all kinds of work virtually. So I knew what was coming up for kids and I, I had that input. So I just wanted to be able to address that and to do the artwork was therapeutic for me. So then it sort of grew and now I'm, I've been in the field for like 44 years and I <laughs> might need to make a transition to something that's um, a little bit different from what I've been doing. So this is a good bridge. That's cool. And I, it, it's a, it's a neat um, bridge talk about something. Uh, I, I can only imagine that part of it would be kind of, you know, fun trying to figure out how to make it work as opposed to, I mean, because writing for adults would be fun too, but it would be a different type of fun here. You're, you're actually getting ready to, um, I'm sorry, you're actually able to mess with scissors and glue and, uh, and come up with your story and, you know, and, and, and make it come alive. And I think that's, that's what a, what a neat sort of transition there. Thank you. You know, what, one of the things I, I got to get you to talk about for a minute is, could you take a minute and just talk about the importance of parents taking time to read to their children? 
Yeah, I think um, even if your child is an early reader, my daughter was an early reader, and you know many kids are, once they can read to themselves, it doesn't mean that they don't want you to read to them as well, that there's something very unique about that time together, because you're together entering a world where whatever it is you're reading with them, you're both in it together. And that is a relief for a lot of kids who feel sometimes like everyone is busy in their lives and they're trying to juggle things on their own. Um, Not really a good feeling when you're little. So carving out time to be together in that space, I think, is really important. There's all kinds of research that says that when parents read to children regularly, they become better readers. And I think there's a lot of value in all cognitively as well as emotionally and relationship-wise in doing that. That's that's so... um... Just, just powerful what you're talking about because uh, from just this, the taking time to do it to actually what the kids could be learning from as you're as you're reading the book to them. So I think that's uh, good stuff. And uh, and your books fit real well with that. You know, as, as you're talking a story, it could generate questions from the child and so forth, and so kind of create this interaction as opposed to sorry, a, a electronic screen. <laughs> oh my God! Yes. <laughs> Um, that, that is like everything I said about the value of reading to kids gets gone with the electronic screen in between. Um, so the world that I'm creating here <laughs> is not about the electronic screen. I mean, you can get some of my books as uh, Kindle books. Not all this one, no, but the other ones, Yes. Um, but I feel like children need to hold things in their hand. These are to hold in your hand. Oh, I think it's, I think it's important. And I think that it's cool because your kids are doing things in your stories. They're interacting with each other. They're interacting with the world around them. And then they're responding to that world and so forth. But what, one of the things that's, they're, they're not having their time absorbed by, uh, you know, I, I, it's funny in my day, people were all worried about the TV. Yeah, that's old. That's <laughs> now I say watch TV with them. That's fine. Right. Exactly. It's got a whole different world now. It's, it's all about different. Right. Uh, but, uh, um, good stuff. I, I, you know, one of the things that, uh, um, you know, I, I wanted you to talk about because of the, because of what you do also, your specialty here is that, you know, the last few years have been a bit stressful for everyone if you had a chance to talk to teachers about the need for self-care, is there a specific message you'd like them to hear? I talk with teachers all the time and it has been beyond stressful for them. So I don't say the things that they already hear all the time about, you know, yoga and things that you can do to sort of lower your anxiety level, but I do say, which are all good things to do, but I do say, make sure you have a voice for what it's like in the classroom. Um, Because a lot of times teachers feel like they have no voice and it's very isolating and it's been more isolating in COVID times, meaning 
teaching as isolating anyway, because it's just one adult or maybe two in a whole group of kids, you have very little contact with other adults during the day. And then in COVID, you basically had none because you weren't allowed to talk with anyone else in the next classroom or go in. So it was extremely isolating. And it's important to have a voice for your own mental health as well as for the world needs to know what it's really like to be with children all day long and how the pressures that come from the system are not really helpful um, and may indeed have a lot to do with how many teachers have left the classroom in recent years. So whether you speak or you write or you, you know, participate in some kind of community, real life or online, have a voice for what it's like. That's excellent. That's, you know, it's, and it is cold. You have a different um, sort of thing to talk about there. Cause that's, uh, um, it, it's a big deal. I mean, and not knowing what it's like, I mean, you know, it's funny because in, in a lot of ways being a classroom teacher has some connections to like being that person who's on the stage, like for, you know, like a stand-up comedian or something like this, because you have to, you kind of have to read the audience and you have to work with what you're doing. And then you have to make adjustments based upon how they react to you and stuff like this. And then suddenly we take that person who's used to doing that type of stuff and put them on a screen. <laughs> and then, and then, and where the kids may or may not <laughs> really say that they're there or not. <laughs> if you're a classroom teacher Children bring their whole lives into the classroom. You bear witness to everything that they go through in their outside lives because it comes in and it's either in the way that they relate to you as a teacher or their peers or it's in the content of what they write about or in the artwork that they do. And it's something that is often unacknowledged. So when you go to your Thanksgiving dinner and somebody says, oh, what are you doing now? You haven't seen this relative in a long time. You say, oh, I'm teaching second grade. They say, oh, that's nice. You must have so much patience, right? And they have a thought bubble and, you know, you get to be with cute little children and then you get to go home at three o'clock. No, I mean, yes, you get to be with cute little children, but it's intense and demanding and you have to be emotionally present for it to work. And you take in and carry all kinds of stuff that nobody acknowledges. And if no one acknowledges that, well, you'll be alone and you'll probably leave the classroom. So it's so important for people who aren't in education to know what it is to be with children and it's really important for people who want to stay in the field and have something to offer to have a voice for that because a long time ago now really politicians have taken over um, what education should be they have no idea what children need or don't know about child development or <laughs> any of those things but somehow that's what happened and that's what teachers are living with. And teachers, at least in New York, have to have master's degrees to be in the classroom. But nobody's asking them what it's like for them and what the kids need. And that's, to me, not okay. That's, uh, uh, it, it is amazing because it's, it's not. And it's one of those things that until you 
you know, the, teachers tend to take on aspects of working with kids that they really can't con- control either. <laughs> and so, exactly. and if you can't control it or you can't solve it, they, they may have an issue that they're dealing with. It just really hits at home and, and you're trying to help and trying to do whatever and you can't, and you take that home with you and, and, uh, and it builds. And if you're not talking, doing, uh, having some voice, having, doing something like that, I can you know, it just, it just is going to rise to some level in which it might encourage you to say, do something else or, um, or, you know, go into your own little bubble, which is not good either. Right. Exactly. One of the things we offer in my Bank Street project is teacher support groups when when school communities are able to, when the politics of the time allows there to be funds for schools to spend on discretionary things, it's an amazing thing to have because it's not, it's built, if you build it in, if you're a smart principal and you build that in, you're acting preventively in terms of the ongoingness of your staff and the nurture of your staff and the feeling that they're valued. It's so important and uh, it's so powerful what you're talking about and I appreciate you sharing. I, you know, Leslie, we're getting ready to close and I was just wondering if, uh, um, you know, you wanted to uh, tell everyone where they could connect and learn more and find your books. Sure. So Popcorn Comes to School, I published through Ingram. Um, and so you can get that through Ingram Friends and Family. You can also get it on Amazon. Um, and the other books, um, Stories for Children in the Time of COVID, are all available on Amazon. Um, and you can always get in touch with me if you want to um, through my two projects, one of them being my Bank Street project, Emotionally Responsive Practice at Bank Street, and my um, independent project, Schools That Heal. Um, and Steve can give you connecting information, right? Like email addresses and stuff. I will do that. It'll be in the show notes, and uh, which and, which is really cool, by the way, if you're listening to us on mobile, because I put all that stuff in the show notes, and it's all linked right there. So all I got to do is go to the show notes and click, and there you go. So, and you can contact Leslie and get that information. So good stuff. And uh, Leslie, can't thank you enough for joining me again today. I mean, this was uh, fun sharing your latest book, Popcorn Comes to School: The Story of a Kitten in Kindergarten, and it's really cool to hear that's part of a new series that you have. And uh, looking forward to the next book. So uh, you need to reach out and and happy to talk again. I love the story. The group of friends is awesome. And your imagery is excellent. And I got to tell you, the whole thought about dealing with the feelings and such is uh, is so powerful. Uh, Wishing the best in all you do. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, you have been listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast to help you help kids achieve their dreams. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the podcast network based in Canada called Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. The opinions expressed on Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes.
Hey, thanks for listening. It would be awesome if you visited my website at stephenmaletto.com and connected with me, left a review, and listened to more episodes. And by the way, you could also share it with your friends, with your family, and uh, your colleagues. Thanks so much. You're awesome.